we're gonna do like a, a three minute kind of question time we we do these opening questions as a church just to get to pe- know the people around you so make sure no one's left out because that's that sucks right elementary school all over again but um at what point would you consider dropping out of church dropping your faith maybe even not sharing the gospel anymore and i i i think about this sometimes because we're not we don't face these scenarios very often but i just wonder like how resilient is my faith right how resilient is our faith uh, being in American kind of Christian context. And I feel like at some point we would have to consider, like, this might cost too much um, if we're honest with ourselves. And so, yeah, like, would you consider dropping your faith? And these are all, like, you could kind of add in your own uh, spot, but being defriended by everyone, losing your job, having your family disown you, if if being a Christian was illegal, would you still become Christ- Would you still proclaim your faith and gather with other believers if you had a yearly fine of twenty grand or prison or death? I know we we do a lot of dark questions here. That's how I hope you get your coffee to like offset the depressive questions. But um, yeah, I'm gonna give you guys two three minutes to talk about this, and then uh, I'm excited about our message this morning. You're good. Yeah. This is my friend Jabba. Uh, we have been friends for about seven years. Thanks for waving, four of you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, five, six, seven. <laughs> All right. And uh, I met him in Singapore. I was actually there for a Bible school for nine months. And Jabba and I became really good friends. Um, we hung out a lot. We shared a lot of food. And um, and I think we're just kind of huh? Pool party. Pool party. Yeah. And uh, we just kind of became kindred spirits. Do you want to work on his mic, Maurice? It's okay? All right. It's okay. He's not yeah. coming out. Oh, there yeah. we go. All right. And, um, and I think for me, there was so much that I learned about my own Christian walk, hearing from his perspective, growing up in India, pastoring there. He actually just launched the church uh, three months ago. Mm-hmm. And I think what I realized is that I have a very American brand of Christianity, and there's a lot of things that I love about what we're doing in the American church. And yet it's, it's a single facet of the Christian faith. And there's even verses that I look at and I'm like, I don't really understand this. Like, I understand it from a theological perspective. But when it comes to persecution, Matthew 24, I could preach it to you, but I've never really seen it and experienced it. Um, and so hearing from, I think, different uh, parts of our, our family from different parts of the world allows us to see the Christian faith fuller. It allows us to see God in a fuller way. allows us to understand the gospel and its worth in a deeper way. And that's something I long for my own life. And so I've kept in touch with Jabba. I have a friend in, in China that I reached out to uh, last week and kind of heard about the church there. I have a missionary that me and Nina took out to dessert two, two weeks ago. Um, I have a friend in Canada that I keep up with mm-hmm. because I, I think for me, I don't want myself, I don't want our church to just kind of see this faith from an American lens. Um, I want to have a broader understanding of the gospel, a broader understanding of what it means uh, to be Christian. And so Jabba has been someone who's really blessed my life as a brother. He's living with me and Nina for four days yeah. <laughs> in our living room. And so if you guys want to come visit, and he'll be there, you know. 
um, just hanging out. And um, we've just got to exchange notes and, and really understand. I just got to really understand a lot of what our family in India looks like. And so I would love, I'm going to spend like maybe 15 minutes just kind of interviewing uh, Jabba, and then he's going to share um, some, chat, some verses with us today. And I think we might have less fun than the kids, but still we'll have fun. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I wish I was there, actually, to be honest. So here's, one, here's the first question. Um, how did people in India first hear about Jesus? How did the gospel reach India? Well, gospel reached India before it reached Europe or America, I guess. Because a uh, disciple of Jesus Christ, St. Thomas, he came to India, and he lived there, he preached there, and he was killed there in a city called Chennai, and he became a first martyr. And during his ministry, a lot of uh, miracles that happened, and uh, he preached the gospel even to the kings in India, and uh, yeah, many of them, they accept the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the first century. You know, that's the beginning of uh, Christianity in India. Later, in the 6th century, Syrian Christians, they came in then uh, about a few centuries, like 300, 400 years ago. British people, when they came to India to do business and stuffs, they sent missionaries to evangelize India. Of course, yeah, they did a good, good job, and uh, they preached God. Yeah. yeah. That's, the, uh, that's how our, our Christian faith began. Yeah. Can you talk about when the British people left? Yeah, in 1947, August 15th, we have uh, our Independence Day, right? So that's, uh, that's when all the Britishers, they left our nation. And then this ministry has been handed over to the Indian church mm. and all the, you know, the Indian people who, who were raised by the Britishers and the missionaries, different, not just Britishers, actually, Dutch missionaries were there and a few other nations were there. Uh, so the Indian church literally took over the ministry. And uh, I want to give glory to God because uh, it became uh, very fruitful. Mm. Because for Britishers, it's a different culture, different food, language problem, <laughs> so many things, you know. And they really suffered, you know, bringing the gospel to us. And they did a great job. But uh, when it c came to our hands, I mean, to Indians' hands, the growth was much higher. And then, yeah, we reached, we literally reached out to many other, uh, you know, places. Then, uh, yeah, then God kind of, you know, bringing a lot of revival, mm. especially in the last two, three decades. Yeah, I, I yeah. think about, like, when we went to, like, high school revival worships. I don't know if any of you guys did that. But what it meant was, like, six churches were coming together for worship night, and there would be, like, 300 kids, right? And we're all, like, worshiping really hard. And I realized, like, that's not really revival, at, at least not, I think, in the same capacity that other cultures hear about it. Um, India, over the last 20 years, has seen 70 to 100 million people become Christian. In the last 20 years, India has seen 70 to 100 million people become Christians. That's 3.5 to 5 million a year. And I, you know, when you look at Christian history, the gospel starting from Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth, you see in the last 2,000 years just God um, and his kingdom pushing through different continents. And different continents will experience revival where millions of people, hundreds right. of thousands of people become Christian. And now we see the gospel uh, kind of rip, uh, conquering and 
pushing through Asia back mm-hmm. into the Middle East again. And That's it's really right. exciting. And yeah. I think getting to know someone like Jabaz is really cool because we see kind of the gospel um, at the front lines in a lot of ways. Um, you know, when we think about how India is being reached, I really loved how you shared about the different caste systems. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about that with us and how the gospel is reaching the lower class, a yeah. caste, all the way to the highest High caste. caste. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, when the Britishers came to India, they were so surprised and shocked to see the things that's happening. It's a part of Hindu religion. They have a belief that the creator God, according to them, is Brahma, a God called Brahma. And they say, this priestly people are created from the head of Brahma. And then the next category is created from the chest and then the stomach and then it goes uh, until the feet. And they categorize people according to this, you know, uh, set of theology. And they kind of, uh, we're controlling the people, stuffs, uh, you know, there are many stuffs which is not really true according to the Bible. And that's the, you know, we know that we are created in the image of God and all of us are equal, but they have this uh, different theology which says if you are a carpenter, your son, your grandson, all your generation will be carpenter. You cannot have any other education, you cannot become anything else than just you have to do what your you know, forefathers did. So God really uh, uh, used the Britishers to reach to those uh, lower caste people who are not allowed or to have education or any other you know, privilege like the others. And uh, they were completely rejected when they were, you know, reached uh, by the Britishers. And they were going through a lot of trouble. For example, they would not be allowed to take water from the same tap. Or they would not be allowed to, you know, Sorry. even dress up, you know, mm. like the others. They were kind of really controlled. They were used to help the priestlyhood, uh, you know, the community people. So the British is really bringing the gospel and they really suffered a lot doing that. Uh, when they came to know about the love of Jesus, when they came to know that they are equal as everyone, yeah. and they really hold on to this God, Jesus Christ, you know, God started to bless them and use them. And today, for the glory of God, in many places, especially in states like mine in South India, there are so many uh, big leaders, politicians, lawyers, and doctors and uh, so many people working in education are from the bottom level, mm-hmm. according to the Hindu faith. Mm-hmm. And all these higher level people have to go sit in front of them to learn <laughs> the education, to take treatments, and to get permission for you know whatever government things. Mm-hmm. I think it's something really great what the Lord has done through Christianity, through the missionaries, through the ministry. But having said that, I, I cannot say that it's completely not there in India. Still, the caste system is practiced in places, in remote places, in villages and stuff. So we're still working and praying and uh, doing things together. God is moving in a powerful way. Yeah, yeah reaching out to everyone. It's, it was really cool to hear about how missionaries or even like um, just Christians in India will go to the most remote villages to share the gospel. That's right. And see a miracle and then like the whole village, hundreds of people will come mm-hmm. to know the Lord, like, immediately. That's right. And I just imagine, you know, Hunger Games, District 12, right? <laughs> like, uh, your whole life, you've been told, you're, since the creation of the universe, you're the lowest caste. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. You're not human. Mm-hmm. You can't wear shirts, whether mm-hmm. you're a guy or girl. You can't wear shoes. Mm-hmm. You have to walk around barefoot. Mm-hmm. You'll never be educated. You're created by God to help the other. You're created God by God to be slaves, basically. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And then the gospel comes. And liberates. And, and the gospel is we're all sons and daughters of God. Yeah. Um, and then to see a whole society turned on its head. That's right? right. And that's what the kingdom of God <laughs> is about. Yeah. Um, the, the sinners, the prostitutes, the poor, mm-hmm. God reaches yeah. and makes, um, Puts becomes the, yeah, yeah, the least of the, the last shall be first. Mm-hmm. And we get to see that in India because that's of the right, gospel. That's right. Yeah. And now the highest, uh, tiers of society, mm-hmm. we have Christians in now and yeah. they're making some pretty big differences that is in those right. areas. That's right. Yeah. I also loved hearing how, you know, only about 7% of India is Christian, mm-hmm. but there's areas in India where the gospel and revival has happened uh, yeah. in certain states and it's like 90% Christian. That's right. Yeah. In certain Northern areas. India. Isn't that amazing? You know, there's, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there are a few states in India where there's a lot of Christians are living, especially in the northeast of India. It's a hilly region where there's a lot of uh, mountains and uh, stuff. About 100 years ago, they accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And they came in, you know, a bunch. And, and you know, eventually they become whole Christian state. <laughs> and they go, they're going to have the, uh, you know, 100 years of Christianity celebration in a mm. few years to come. Mm. Yeah, so a couple of states, uh, to be exact, like uh, uh, Nagaland is a state and Mizoram is another state where they have more than 95% of Christians. Wow, and all the other 3 to 4% are the, you know, the army people who are serving there or the other outsiders who go there for the job or stuff like that. The rest of the, the local people are all Christians. And there are some states like Meghalaya, uh, they have more than 70% of Christians. Mm. Yeah, some states they have more than 40% of Christians. So it's not uh, that whole India is uh, you know, evangelized. Some parts, uh, the Christians are strong. Mm. Yeah, some places, we are very weak. I mean, we mm. still have to do a lot of works. Yeah, Yeah, I, I know that um, there's still persecution in India as it well. Yeah. And especially as Christianity is growing, there's yeah. sometimes there's even a bigger backlash. That's right. And when we met um, in 2009, mm-hmm. 2010 in Singapore, um, there was a big persecution yeah, that the year that prior. Right. Yeah. And then you even shared some of your story of like yeah. how you experienced that firsthand. Would you mm-hmm. share that with us? Uh, yeah, in 2009, we were having that, uh, right after pool party, we were having a small <laughs> small prayer meeting, you know, praying for different nations, because uh, the hostel that I stayed, uh, along with Wilson, is one of the coolest hostels I stayed in my <laughs> life, because we were people from 21 different nations, mm. about 70 to 80 of us. Yeah. So it was uh, really nice to, you know, it was a really good experience. So when we, we when we were praying for different nation, it came to my turn to tell about India and what's happening in India, and to you know, update my brothers from different places. Mm-hmm. So that's when I shared this, just the year before that year. That was in 2008, November and December. A Hindu priest was killed by some terrorist, uh, but the Hindu people, they they claim that this Hindu priest leader was killed by Christians. So they start to burn down churches, they start to kill Christians. If I'm not wrong, more than 200 churches were burnt and completely destroyed. And hundreds of Christians 
were killed. And some of my friends, pastors, like my friend, uh, friends, they are very actively doing ministry there. They have about 10 to 15 churches there in different villages. Uh, even from their ministry, about two or three pastors were killed, burnt alive, you know. And then uh, people were really going through a lot of trouble. And that's when I, w I went to that place to visit my friend, not knowing what's happening there. I mean, so he was giving shelter for about 50, 60 kids. I was so shocked to see all the kids and uh, to know the, you know, what they were going through. And then I have to leave to Singapore in two, in two weeks. After that, I was really filled with burden. I came to my father. I said, Dad, I don't know what we could do. You know, they are really going through a lot. And then I was told by my friend that the people who accept the Lord Jesus Christ through their ministry, because of persecution, they don't know where to go. So they all ran to the senior pastor's house. <laughs> and then this pastor was taking care of them for a few, few months, actually. They ran out of money, and they, they really went through a lot of trouble. Then uh, they tried to find a way to send all the adults to different factories to work and to, you know, to take care of their lives. But then uh, they had the kids there. Later on, we you know, kind of uh, find uh, places to send the kids as well. Yeah. Then after I finished my SOT, I came back to India. One of my friends who studied with us, they wanted, to, they, wanted to, they wanted me to do a children's ministry. I told, I'm sorry, uh, uh, there's not, not really a need in my place, but I can send you to my friend's place. So that's how I worked out with my friend and another SOT uh, friend. Then we kind of set up a small orphanage for about five kids. We started, now it is about 50 to 55 kids. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, it's, 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 it's really tough at times. But thank God in a few months it got better. Uh, but persecution is a not a story for us. It's our everyday life. Like even last two, three years, we, in my place, we are going through a lot as well. I born and brought up in the same street. I'm living there for about 30 years. And there came a point that I would not be able to pray in my place anymore with the freedom that I had before. So we have to, you know, cut down all the other meetings except the Sunday meeting. And yeah, we, we got pressures from the local people, from the government, from the political, you know, from the police. Yeah, but God is faithful. God has been faithful. You know, as we look to Him, mm. He always makes a way for us, mm. and He protects us. He gives us uh, favor mm. from the government, yeah. and yeah, even with the leaders. Yeah. Thanks, Jabba. <laughs> um, I think like I remember just sitting with you as you were sharing. Mm -hmm. You know about your friend. I remember the story with um, all the kids just being there because they had no place to go. Mm -hmm. And then you talked about how a lot of that persecution ended because there was kind of this mob mentality where yeah. a lot of people were burning down churches. Mm -hmm. And then you, you, I remember you looked at me and you said, thank you. And yeah. I said, I didn't, you know, yeah. why are you thanking me? I didn't do yeah. anything. And you said there were Christians in America who That's heard right. and That's prayed right. and wrote to their Congress people. That's right. And then America put political pressure right. on India That's to right. enact their laws because, you know, in India, it's not legal for that that's to right, happen, yeah, but that's right. sometimes they don't do anything about yeah. it. And I just kind of, it was humbling because I wish I knew <laughs> and I wish I called <laughs> my, my congressmen, but I didn't. Hmm. Um, but it made me feel like, man, we are, I want to be in this together with you. You know what? One of my friends, when he visited U.S. for the first time, he was told by many, many old aunties and uncles 
that they were very happy to see an Indian here as a Christian. And he was surprised, you know, why do you say that? They were like, no, last few decades we have been praying for India. Mm. We've been praying for India in our services, in our churches, you know, for, for many years, many years. We've been praying, we've been doing whatever we can do, you know, through our church and through our community. And then they were so happy to see an Indian pastor. Mm. That's what my friend told me. Then I was like, really, you know, God is a good God. And all our prayers are answered. Mm. And I want to really appreciate the, the people of America and the people of England mm. and all the other nations which brought gospel to us so that I can be a pastor today. Mm. I can, you know, travel. I can preach the good news of God. I can help people in my, in my nation to come up in their life. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah, all, yeah. Of, us, all of us found God that way because yeah. someone was willing to yeah. risk something to share. That's right. Um, we're we're going to look at Matthew chapter 24 on the next slide. You know, I preached this like three weeks ago, I want to say, and I honestly, I think I skipped over these verses because it, <laughs> it didn't like make sense to me. It made sense intellectually. Um, but I think, Jabai, as you shared this passage with us, mm -hmm. um, it's not just something you understand yeah. But you've lived this out. And so I'm just, I feel really blessed to hear this passage from you. Yeah, thank you. And um, yeah, I'll come back up when you're done. Is that thank okay? you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Don't be scared. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not scared. <laughs> Woo. Wow. Thank you, church. Thank you, my friend, Pastor Wilson, for having me here to speak to you and to your people. It's really. It's my honor and privilege to be here, to see my brothers and sisters in the same family body of Christ. You know, what I, whenever I talk to believers from different nations, different race, this is what I, I feel, that we are practicing heaven here on earth. You know, does that make sense? Because in heaven, every tribe, every tongue, every people are going to be together forever and ever, worshiping the same God. And then God kind of gives us this opportunity to taste that a little bit here on earth when we have different people coming together. And as I was talking to Pastor Wilson about his church and the congregation, I was very happy to hear that you know, God really kind of put different kind of people together in one room. And it's going to be the same in heaven. You're going to see millions and millions of Indians there. <laughs> so you better love me huh? <laughs> so that you won't have trouble in heaven huh? and I really love you guys because I'm going to spend eternity <laughs> I won't be surprised if Wilson is going to be my neighbor in heaven you know because I, I love him in this world and he loves me so we're going to have a good time in heaven and on earth but uh, yeah I, I, I I'm very clear about the fact that this is our temporary home and we are here on an assignment. We are here on, you know, to do something what God wants us to do. So I mean, I'm very happy about that. Let's uh, look this verse, Matthew chapter 24. And I want to talk certain things, you know, from my heart, what the Lord has put in my heart the last few weeks and few months as I was praying, you know, about different things. This is what, uh, you know, the Lord spoke to me. And then you will be handed over to be persecuted. 
and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me, because of Jesus. Right? It's, it's really amazing to find our Savior when we are lost, when we are rejected, when no one comes to us, Jesus comes to us, He helps us, you know, He lifts us up, He heals us, He does miracles to us. It's really a great thing, that part of life. But that, that's not the end of the Christian life. You know, uh, for example, if you look at the life of Peter, he was so, uh, you know, he was trying to catch fish and he didn't have any fish. And then Jesus came and he, he, he did a miracle to Peter. And Peter was, you know, Peter was like, oh, he's really powerful, you know. <laughs> and then when Jesus called Peter, follow me. It was, you know, it was one of the coolest things for Peter to do, to follow this miracle worker. And wherever they went, miracle happened. People got healed, you know, the, the, the food multiplied, people got delivered from demon spirits. So many things were happening. But that's not everything about Christian life. They even went through a lot of troubles and problems, towards, especially towards the end of Jesus' ministry. He was handed over to be beaten and to be killed. And when we see the history of Christianity, the, Christ, uh, the history of what happened to the disciples of Jesus Christ, they all went through a lot of trouble. Some, not some, most of the believers, they were killed as, you know, as they went to preach the gospel. Only few of them, they had the natural death. And now we are living, I strongly believe that we are coming towards the end of the end times or the beginning of the end times you know and we can expect God to come anytime and so many prophecies which is written about the last days are being fulfilled in front of our own eyes uh, but the Lord said the gospel will be preached throughout all nation and then the end will come so it is very much a part of our life to preach the gospel in different places but when you do that you end up getting persecuted. So I feel this word is to strengthen us, is to know that it's a part of our life. It's, you, 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 you don't have to be surprised if you're persecuted because it's a part of our life. This says you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. I, I was talking to the, you know, uh, Nina and her friends there in the other room. We, and I was telling that we have so many promises in Bible uh, which we really like, I will make you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And then I will surely bless, bless thee, multiply, multiply thee, all those kind of promises. But see, we also have promises like this. Then you will be handed over to, to be persecuted. <laughs> and we don't want to hear such, you know, such words, but this is reality. This is a part of our Christian life. We don't have to fear about the persecution. But God will give us the strength so that we can go through it and we can still preach the gospel. We can see the power of God, you know, touching people's life and transforming. And we end up adding more souls into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. You know, that's the Indian way of preaching. We say hundred hallelujahs before we, we finish our sermon. So, yeah. Verse 14 it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. 
as I was meditating on this verse and the verse from Matthew chapter 28, which says, you know, uh, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of age. And then God took me to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be strengthened, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, 18, it says, In the last days I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Hmm? And then he says, Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So... You know, going through all this verse, I kind of understand the heart of God, which I believe is not just for one local community or for one local church. And he commands, he literally commands us to go into all the nation. He's not giving us an option. You know, if you can go, maybe you can go. If you feel like preaching, you can preach. You know, he's not giving us an option. He's telling, therefore, you go and make disciples. Who go? You go. <laughs> <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and ask them, who go? <laughs> God is telling you go. <laughs> He's telling to his disciples, because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, to Jesus Christ. So he is not really sending you without anything. He is sending you with his authority. And when you take this authority and you go with the authority, surely God will move and change the things, what is happening there. That's what exactly happened when the Britishers came to India. And that's what is happening when the Indians goes to different states, different cities to preach the gospel. And that's what is happening throughout the world. But I think as we approach the last days, it is important that we understand the heart of God that his plan was not for one church or one city. He wants his body to be together, to be connected, to stand with each other, to pray for each other, to serve each other, serve together in different places, because we are going to be together there. You see? So he says, therefore you go. Go into all nations. Go with the authority. Go with the gospel. Go with my teachings, which I have taught you. And teach the people to obey the commandments which I have given you. And I will be with you until the very end. He's not going to leave us in this mission. He's going to be there with us. When the Lord spoke to me about all these words, I said, I want to obey this word. And last two years, I've been going to different nations. So last two years, if I'm not wrong, I've been to at least 14 or 15 nations. And I've seen tremendous things happen. For one example I want to take before I close this, I was in Myanmar for the first time. I strongly felt in my spirit that I should go to Myanmar. I don't know why I'm going there. <laughs> But I strongly felt that I should go there. I don't know 
anything about Myanmar. Even though they are our neighbors, I don't know anything about Myanmar. And I was looking for the cheapest flight fare, you know. <laughs> and I booked the cheapest fare. I went to Myanmar. I was so surprised because the day I landed, they had the worstest flood in that nation. Out of 14 states in Myanmar, 13 were affected by flood. Hundreds of schools and bridges, hundreds of houses were broken because of the floods. They were really having a very tough day, you know, when I landed. And I was like, Lord, why did you send me here on this, you know, during the worst time? And I was praying, praying, praying. And then uh, some of... Uh, the people whom I've never known. Now I know Wilson here. I can be comfortable here in LA. But when I was going to Myanmar, I don't have Wilson or any other friend <laughs> there. But anyway, I booked my, after I booked my ticket, I started to search for Christians uh, in Myanmar. I found a guy in Facebook. <laughs> you know, I told him I'm coming to Myanmar. And he said, wow. He asked me, are you a pastor? I said, yeah, I'm a pastor. Okay. <laughs> he said, okay, come over. When are you coming? I said, I'm coming on 1st of August. Okay, I'm actually leaving tonight to Indonesia and Thailand. I will be back on 1st of August, the same day that you come here. Awesome. Okay, let's catch up when, when you come to Myanmar. And that's all I spoke to him. That's it. I landed in Myanmar. He gave me a call. And he said, uh, are you free to come on Sunday afternoon? Yes, I'm free to come. He took me, and I went to a Roman Catholic church. He took me to a Roman Catholic church, and uh, he had more than 300 people waiting there for me. And then I am there with this verse, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from the wicked ways and seek my face, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. And I was telling, you know, the healing of the land does not you know, uh, happen without us repenting and looking back to God and, uh, you know, praying for the healing of the land. He's not asking for all the Hindus and Muslims to repent. He's asking his people to repent. Then God can heal the land. So I was just talking that verse. And those uh, people that are gathered there, they were so burdened because their family members are living in villages, and living in the countryside. And they don't know what's happening with them. All the cell phone networks stopped working because of the floods. They do not have electricity. They were stranded in the mountains. So they were really going through a lot of pain in their hearts. And that's when I took this word. They all prayed and they all wept and cried. And uh, they really accepted the word. And we all prayed together. And before we cl closed the meeting, my, friend kind, I mean, my new friend kind of came to me and he said, Pastor, can you pray for our nation because we are under this military rule? for more than 40 years, uh, close to 50 years. And there's going to be an election next year. And it looks like, you know, we can have a democratic nation again. And we can see, you know, the nation turning, nation, you know, really being liberated from the military rule. I said, yeah, if we all can pray together for this nation, God can really heal your nation. We all pray together. And you know what happened in Myanmar? The country is a democratic country now. The leader who was arrested, home arrested, house arrested for more than 20, 30 years, her party won the elections, and they found the government, they won in such a majority that the military cannot do anything. And I was told the second, top second leader is 
a missionary organization's uh, you know, leader, is a pastor, is an evangelist and pastor. He happened to be the second man in the, in the whole nation, which is going to open up a lot of ways for ministry and for gospel. So, so many things happen in so many places as I as you know, obey this word and go into the nation with the authority that the Lord has given us. And now I'm here in America, especially to pray for the elections in America. And when I told my brother Wilson that I'm coming to the US to pray for the elections, he said, uh, you must come to LA. <laughs> and then, yeah, I thank God I'm here. I, I can spend some time with you. I hope God will bless you and use you mightily in the days to come. And thanks a lot for praying for the Indian church and I mean, Indian Christians, I pray that God will use this generation to bring a change in even in your nation, even in the government sector and everywhere. And I believe the authority is not in the hands of the world. It's in your hands and my hands. And if we take that and if we exercise our authority, we can see the kingdom of Satan really coming down and people being liberated and God's kingdom established in this nation and throughout the world. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Jabba. Let's pray together for you and for um, your church. And, um, you know, again, I just feel like when we suffer for something, we know its value. And I think when we see the Indian church uh, suffer, um, we see the value of the gospel through your life and through the life of your church. And we pray that we will we'd be willing to sacrifice for the same gospel. Amen. God, we just thank you so much for Jaba. We thank you so much for um, our brothers and sisters in India and the team that we get to be on worldwide, yes. connected, hosting each other, <laughs> even <laughs> off of a Facebook message. Uh, that's what it means to be family, and that's what it means to be a part of your kingdom. Uh, we just bless um, Jaba, Pastor Jabba's ministry, Lord, yes, Lord, and his church. And we ask for your protection over them. And we ask, Lord, that you would connect us um, so that we feel like family. Yes, Lord. I think about uh, Matthew 25 where you said, um, hey, did you visit your brothers and sisters in prison? Did you clothe them? Did you feed them? Mm-hmm. Did you love um, your brothers and sisters? And I pray that we knew um, we, would, we would love uh, the church around the world, and yes. we would learn from them, and that would, they would show us who you are mm-hmm. and the worth of the gospel, and that we would love and protect and, and be a voice for them as well. Thank you so much for our time together. Yes, Lord. Um, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. My appreciate you. My brother. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Um, as we go into worship today, I just kind of think about, you know, Jabal was talking about how the church is persecuted in India, and the first thing that goes, um, the first thing that suffers when a church is persecuted is worship because it's so loud and it's so easy to identify. And um, I, just felt, I just felt what the Lord was saying to me this morning as I was praying is like, man, I hope our church can worship and sing for churches that um, have to be more silent, you know, that the freedom we have to sing that we would use that freedom, the freedom we have to share the gospel, we would use that freedom. And Jabbar goes to churches around India. Some areas are very open and some are closed. And he tells the churches that have governor, government that is more open, he said, the door is open right now. Like, use it because it could be closed one day. And I pray for our church that 
we have this freedom that we would sing for other churches, that we would um, shout and speak for other churches around the world. Um, so I hope that as we, that, that we could rise and sing today, that we could take communion, and that we would do it holding hands uh, for our brothers and sisters in India this morning.